Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Healthier Together podcast. I'm your host, Liz Moody, and I live in Brooklyn, where I am currently going on almost three weeks of self-quarantine. We only leave our apartment for shopping trips, and we do those as infrequently as possible. And while I feel lucky for so many things that I have a partner to quarantine with and a safe space to do it in and a really cute cat to snuggle up with when I'm feeling anxious at all. It's definitely a trying time to say the least. My my mental health is super up and down. I'll have these days where I feel really great, really productive, um, a ton of energy. I do these like 3 p.m. five minute dance parties on Instagram and I'm like, yes, ready to go, ready to dance. And I do those every day. Um, you should come join if you have not joined that yet. But I have other days where I feel like I can barely get off the couch. I scroll through way too much social media. I read way too much news. And those are harder for sure. But I do believe that I'm becoming more resilient through all of this. All of the practices that I began to do to shore up my mental health earlier are coming into play now, which is one of the many reasons that I'm really excited to share this week's episode. I taped it pre-quarantine on a work trip to LA, which almost feels crazy now that I like casually flew down there in a plane and I stayed with friends and I rode Ubers around and I went to these restaurants that were filled with people. Yeah, it's it's crazy how fast everything changes. But this episode is with the amazing Jen Gotch and I actually think that it is the perfect episode for this very strange time that we are all in. Jen has been open about her mental health for years. She shared about her anxiety and depression and bipolar disorder, and we talk a ton in this episode about the various tools that have made a huge difference in how she feels day to day, all of which I think will be incredibly useful right now. She's also one of the most positive people that I have ever, ever met, and she shares how she cultivates that, like, it's like almost a a relentless optimism. And she's cultivated that even in the worst moments in her in her life, in her divorce or when things with her business have struggled and times that she's had really hard mental health struggles. And I think that her tips for how you can actually do that super pragmatically are things that definitely apply to the time that we're living in right now. She's a very successful businesswoman. She's the co-founder and chief creative officer of Bando. And we've talked, we also talked about how she's created a workplace where people can cry. They have a crying room at the office, which I absolutely love. The offices are phenomenal. They're like the coolest offices I've ever been in in my life. They have weighted blankets by uh, the entrance where people can go and like lay under the weighted blankets and everything is bright and colorful and fun and pretty. But we talk a lot about how she's made a workspace that's really conducive to people being open about their mental health and how other people in other workspaces can navigate how tricky that is with mental health. I know when I had my full-time job, I had, I struggled with how how much I could talk about my anxiety because I didn't want to be perceived as like a weaker team member or somebody who wouldn't be trusted in certain circumstances because I had anxiety. So I was very interested in Jen's take on that. And I thought she had a lot of really good points to make. It's all stuff, everything in the episode is stuff that definitely applies right now, but it's also just like really fun and girly and distracting conversation, like going to a restaurant with a really smart, interesting friend, which I think we all need right now because we're not getting as much of that in real life. We talk about Jen's fascinating perspective on aging. She actually made me more excited about aging than any person I have ever talked to in my life. We talked about dating in your 40s. And of course, because it's me, we had to get into some celeb gossip like Jen's double date with Jennifer Aniston or the fact that many, many of her best friends are like 
red carpet regulars, people you would see in People or Us Weekly. We also get into friendships and how exactly Jen has curated this amazing group of girlfriends as an adult. I think that it can be really hard to make good friends as an adult who you feel are representative of who you are as a person in this moment. And Jen has done a great job of that. She slid into Kelly Oxford's DMs like on Instagram. And then that ended up being one of her best friends. So we talk about all of her her weird techniques and tricks and tips. I hope you love this conversation and it offers a mix of real actionable shifts and thought and practical things you can do for your anxiety or for your mental health in general. But I also just hope that it offers like fun and thoughtful and interesting company in a time that we all really, really need it. You can find Jen's brand new book, The Upside of Being Down at any major bookseller. Although this is a really great time to order online from a local shop because they're definitely struggling right now. So definitely look for a shop near you and try to order it from there. You can also find Jen on Instagram at Jen Gotch, Jen with one N-J-E-N-G-O-T-C-H. And of of course, I'm Liz Moody. I'm at Liz Moody on Instagram. Definitely screenshot as you're listening and tag us with any thoughts or feelings or reactions that you have. I've really been leaning into my little family on social more than ever. And it's been such an immense joy in my life. Those 3 p.m. dance parties. Um, we've been sharing lots of funny videos and just talking to people and doing lives and connecting with people. And I've also been trying to share as much useful content as I possibly can, like pantry-friendly recipes and my favorite free workouts and just stuff to make people feel good and and get through this time. So definitely check that out if you are bored or hungry or just want a friend right now. I am 100% here for you on all of the different levels. All right. I hope you are staying safe and sane, and I hope that you love this episode with the amazing Jen Gotch. All right, Jen, thank you so much for having me to your office. Of course. I actually just finished your book in the car on the way over here. Is so that, were you reading as you were driving? I was, no, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I don't think that's legal. No, I don't drive in LA. Driving in LA like makes me very nervous. I'm not oh. from here. I live in Brooklyn. Oh, so I was just, born in Brooklyn. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I knew your dad's book. like a New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you've ever heard him talk, it is uh, it's, hard to deny his roots. <laughs> um, oh, wait. So are you just out here? Yeah, just out here for work for doing podcast interviews and stuff. Oh, that's so I just amazing. like Uber around and work in the cars and so smart. I'm late for everything because I don't realize it takes two and a half hours to get yeah, it does, 12 miles. It's crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You were on time here. I was. I, yeah. I, I left much time to do it. <laughs> for sure. That's the only way to do it. So I want to talk. We're going to get into like your whole history. Your book is phenomenal, by the Thank way. You. I um Everybody who listens to this podcast knows that I struggle with uh, anxiety mm. quite a bit. Mm. And I love how much you put out there. And I also really love, I think a lot of people don't talk about anxiety in the workplace that much. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting. So we're going to get into all of that. Okay. <laughs> but you've been sharing on your Instagram sort of what the process of writing the book mm. has done to you. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to start there. You said it like broke you open and yeah. helped you forced you, not even helped yeah. you, like forced you to confront all of those things. Yeah. So what is your mental health right at this moment? I feel great right yeah. at this moment. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other thing that I talked about recently on Instagram is I had, I realized that I was like, still struggling with more depression than I actually thought because I have bipolar um, and I have bipolar too, which is like much more pronounced depression. But I had gone back on a mood stabilizer and not an antidepressant and I felt fine. And then I looked like back on the last few months and 
I was like, I don't think this is how I should feel. Like it just, you know, sometimes there's a lot of subtlety to depression. Um, so I, so about a month ago I went, I called my doctor and I was like, we got to just go back on the antidepressant. And I've been like, I have a relationship with him and I've been in this world of trying to figure it out for decades. So he was like, okay, because I used to be on one and like within days I felt better. So I feel really good. Plus we were talking about the cleanse I was just on. Um, I feel like uh, brain gut stuff is really, you know, I so much of my physical and emotional health is based on what I put in my body. And I was a little off the rails. over. <laughs> over <laughs> once it holidays. gets cold, it's actually just like, once it gets cold and daylight savings, it, it I'm done. Like, I just like need pasta. I just need like comfort food because yeah. I don't like feeling cold. And then, and then you roll into the holidays and then I just, I could tell everything was contributing. So, so what was the cleanse? Can you talk a little bit about the cleanse you're doing? I'm, I'm really interested to. in people who like mix the medications, but then also, you know, taking control in more holistic ways. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've read the book, so you may have gathered that like personal growth and betterment is like just a passion of mine since I was a kid. So I'm always looking for ways to feel my best. Plus with the book coming out, I like my one job during this time is to feel at my best. And I know there's a lot of things I can do to control that. So the cleanse, um, I hope I don't do it a disservice by explaining it wrong, but I think I get it. It's called Clean 7. I cannot remember the name of the doctor who created it, but I've listened to him on a couple of podcasts and he's incredibly smart. Um, but I was, it, you know, it's one of those like shake, some actual food, a lot of tea. Um, and it's based on like Ayurvedic properties. Anti, it's like the, the goal is like anti-inflammatory. It's not like a, I'm trying to lose weight, um, which I don't believe in just in general. Like, I feel like the goal should just be, I want to feel better. And then you see what happens from there. Um, and intermittent fasting. So it's like all of those things blended. And my friend was like, go on this cleanse with me. And I was like, no, (laughs) like, absolutely not. I don't do cleanses. She's like, no, come on, just look at it. And I looked at it and like, they sort of break out graphics of what each day looks like. And there was like, just at lunchtime or snack time, there was just a drawing of celery. And I was like, I'm I'm not doing it. It it was just a simple way for them to say snack. Like you actually get to eat a lot more than that. And she was like, I really think you should do it. And I'm, we're both very stubborn. And um, I went out of town and I came back and she had sent it to me. (laughs) And she's also one of those friends that like, inadvertently has directed me to some of the most impactful things in my life. So I was like, why am I resisting this? I also tend to resist things that are probably going to be the best thing for me. Um, And so I did it. And also a week is like incredibly doable, especially when you can eat. Um, And I felt great day one. I'm also like you're cutting out coffee, which was really hard for me. Um, But I did it sugar, all the usual stuff, dairy, you know, everything that we know is. Do you, you drink coffee? Um, I did. <laughs> I, so I'm curious because I, I gave, I had to give up caffeine because I uh, stoked panic attacks yeah, so much yeah, yeah. for me. Yes. And I'm always curious how people who have anxiety manage having caffeine. Yeah. I, um, 
Well, listen, I've I've done a lot of work to quell the um the emotional and like ego driven part of anxiety. The physical stuff, caffeine is a huge trigger for me, but I have to like drink so much for that to be an issue or like, you know, every once in a while, well, if you're not drinking coffee, but maybe if you did at some point, it's like you just you're like even out of town and you go to a coffee shop that you've never been to and you get an espresso drink and you don't realize that they serve the strongest. Mm -hmm. And then it's like I'll start with like chest tightening, heart palpitations. So but but normally like having a cup of coffee or even like two during the day, like caffeine just in general doesn't have that effect on me. So what is your sort of relationship with food? Are you able, is, is food something that is part of your mental health toolkit? Mm. Mm. Or I know you like still eat pizza and pasta totally. and all of that stuff. So how do you, how do you view food in your life? Um, well, I, like I definitely am an emotional eater, even though like I understand that that's not always healthy. Um, I'm like, I've worked to kind of create a balance, but I'm definitely not the type of person that like can maintain any specific, especially like a strict regimen. So I try this, this was interesting for me because normally my cycles of like eating well and then sort of peaking and then just going into the depths of like, how much garbage can I get into my body every day is usually like a three year cycle. And I don't, I don't know why, but it's like, it's just like something will happen to trigger me to get off of the wagon. I don't know, to like stop, to stop eating right. And then it's just a slow downward spiral. And then once I'm at the bottom of that, it's like, I kind of am doing like a shame, punish myself, and doing that by putting more junk and like drinking more. And so I kind of in around November started to feel that happening. I mean, the book was a huge contributor to that just because I was alone. I was surrounded by fast food restaurants. I wanted to just be soothed sometimes. And um, so it just was it. I could feel it happening. And so I was like, I wonder if I can like shorten this whole thing and not go down where I'm going to go and just like turn it. And so because knowing like what I said, like I, I've literally been given the, the responsibility to be healthy across the board <laughs> for what's about to come. And so I was like, I mean, this is a responsibility, not just for me, but for everybody. So it was like, so I just started like eliminating stuff like in December, knowing that if I could just like reset, I I would never be able to maintain that. I mean, I'm not going to like not ever eat cheese or have cake or pizza. It's like silly, but I feel like I have to kind of go to one extreme or the other in order to find like a middle ground. And for you, is food like largely about your mental health or do you think about how your body looks? Yeah, all of it. I mean, I'm, I'm 48. So it's like, the I mean, supermodels were like really kind of invented when I was at a very impressionable age. So um, like my relationship to my body is not incredibly healthy. <laughs> like I've never I not so far as like to have an eating disorder or um, but I think. I think I just have like a little bit of body dysmorphia. So so that relationship, although as I've gotten older and like I said, when I really shifted the focus to like, don't do anything. This isn't me 
telling everyone what to do. This is what I told myself. Yeah. Um, like, stop focusing on like that because uh, on like, what will this do to my body? Like, will it make my body better? Will I fit into these pants? Like when I stopped using that as the motivator, it's like I end up in a body that is not perfect. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I I can still see things that I wish were different, but I feel so good. It like doesn't matter. And I don't know if I said it in the book, but I've said it before. It's like I kind of when I'm feeling that good based on what I'm doing for myself, whether it's exercising or how I'm eating, um, it's like I don't need a mirror. Like I, I, you know, it's like I just feel great. I don't need to like see necessarily how that's reflected. So I can get there too. And I love that feeling. But then I feel like I'll be confronted. Like I get very comparison-y. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious with you, you're friends with people whose job it is to look a certain way because mm. they're like on television yeah. or something yeah. like that. And I feel like if I was friends with somebody who's literally making that their job, I would it would make me spiral yeah. comparatively. Yeah. I feel like I I think if someone was like super obsessed with that and that was front and center for them all the time, I wouldn't be friends with them. Like my friends that um, where that is part of their job are very similar to me in that we sort of run the gamut. Like they're just it's not like I have to do this. I have to eat this. I'm like so like body obsessed. It's it's sort of like I think I really gravitate to people that have a similar mindset of me, which is like this is real life. And like sometimes you, I mean, most people fluctuate yeah. their weight and their body and it's normal. And like there are seasons in life, there are seasons, there are actual seasons. And they fluctuate, <laughs> I think, in how they feel about their body. And I think that's fine, too. Like it's, it's I think sometimes I also beat myself up too much for the times that I'm like not so stoked on my body. Yeah. And it's like I can go through cycles of both. Totally. Um, You know, there's there's like a there's a quicker cure, (laughs) which is like self-love and acceptance, which is like obviously what (laughs) you know what I think the more I learn about like these sort of like fundamental principles that like we all talk about so much and like how we can chip away at it year after year. Like, I also think there is a perspective that can shift at any time. It's like you have to find the sentence that resonates with you that like shifts it to say, I'm going to take this approach. Like, I think a lot of times it's like, well, you should just accept or like, you know, there's a lot of sort of like clamoring for that. But it's like, what does that really mean? And it in, in, in the end, it is just a choice. Like you you choose that. So like I've I've been trying to work to like, I mean, listen, no one dives deeper than me when it comes to like really figuring out and getting to the bottom and unpacking and like then doing looking at the science. But on the flip side, like there are these like choices that you could make that where you're really making a promise to align with that. And like, I don't know, it's like it's so simple that it it's too simple, you know, like I feel the same way about um like just happiness in general. It's like, I mean, there's going to be something every, I've already had two things that could have made me really unhappy today, but I was just like, my choice is always going to be, I'm like, I'm just not going to do that. Like it's a simple choice of like, am I, is this going to make me unhappy or is this going to make me happy? Like obviously like a huge trauma, we have no choice. Right. It's human, but little things. Right. 
you know? I always feel like that when I see people with road rage and I'm just like, this isn't making your life better to feel this way. It's interesting. You talk about in the book how you are sort of a perennial optimist Mm. um, and how that served your life. And there's a really interesting study that uh, I don't know if you're familiar with. It's about how CEOs tend to be optimists because Mm. you need to have such – in, like almost, <laughs> almost a delusional yes. level of optimism <laughs> to true. start a company. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious for people who aren't naturally optimists, if there's anything that you could like mm. say to help them mm-hmm. shift their perspective. I mean, listen, it, it goes along with what I was just saying. Like my switch from pessimism to optimism, which is also something I talk about in the book, was like literally like, I'm just not going to make that choice anymore. And I feel like um, going against optimism, being a pessimist or however you want to talk about it is like, you're really just hurting yourself. Like you're, it's just another way for you to stop your own success growth, progress, you know, like you're, it's, it's something where it's like you put it outside of you and all of these things are happening to you and, uh, you know, the world. And, but it's, it's, again, it's just a shift in perspective. Like it doesn't, you don't have to view it that way. And what I have found from, and I made that switch, like, you know, I was still a teenager. Um, it just cha- it just makes life more pleasant. Like it, uh, you know, and I, I say like I'm a realistic optimist. So it's like if something is awful or something truly bad has happened, I'm not like, let's just pick our, you know, I mean, but I not annoyed everybody yeah, around you. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I do because I do tend to at least, I, you know, to me, like problems are an opportunity to problem solve and I know I'm going to learn something. And so I I just think it's just such a healthy re- approach and it and it ties so much into resilience and like you need that to succeed if you're not resilient like you're you're probably not going to get wherever it is you want to go and i think optimism is such a huge part of that so do you is that actually like this morning pragmatically mm. when those negative things happened mm. where did you have like a self talk of exactly that where you tell yourself that or yeah well i think that um okay so the the major thing that happened to me this morning was I got stood up by my acupuncturist, <laughs> which is like the most L.A. thing probably anyone could ever say. But it's the second week in a row. And I've been going to him for years. And it's and that's never happened. Like when it's also like you're trying to make time for to take care of yeah. yourself. Yeah. And so when I went last week and I, you know, it's like get up super early, whatever, drive there. I mean, I, I went last week and I was like, huh, I don't think he's coming. And he didn't. And so I just can't. It's not too far from here. I live far from here, but it's not too far from here. So just I was like, OK, well, I'll just go to work. And then I pulled in like 30 minutes early today and I'm like, I just have this sense he's not going today. And like so I think like what went through my head as it became 755, 8, 805, the point was at 8, was like, OK, it's fair to be frustrated. You know, it's fair to be frustrated, but like, um, I mean, what I, what I said to myself was this feels like a sign from the universe that you don't need acupuncture right now because once is a one thing, but twice is like, to me, that's not a coincidence like that. Like there's something there, whatever it is. Or like, maybe he, I thought like, maybe he 
isn't feeling great and I'm not shouldn't be exposed to his energy or whatever. Like I kind of so I guess like for me, I naturally gravitate to like, what is this? What am I supposed to gain from this? And like, certainly I was like, well, there would be a huge opportunity to be frustrated right now. (laughs) But I'm just like, that's that's not going to serve me in any way at all. But a huge part of like life and business also is recognizing when you should like push through the obstacles. So how do you know when it's like something you should accept and work on that and when it's something you should push through? I I think you can feel a difference. Like I, I'm very, very like gut intuition driven, like always has have been only really understood what that meant over the last few years. Like I, I didn't know what it meant when like you just get a feeling and you know exactly what you need to do or an idea just flows through and you're like, I wasn't even thinking about that. Like so I what I have um, learned certainly at first when you push through everything. I mean, when you're starting a business, like it's a shit show, you know, it's just like challenging hourly. And so you, it's not really a place re- I, where I think you try to determine what's worth pushing through. I know for me, I try and kind of keep score. So like in the example of the acupuncture, it's like two times in a row is like, okay, I'm starting to get a vibe. You know, I think like, so when you see patterns, I'm a, a huge believer of like, this universal knowledge and energy and that like that you're supposed to wake up to that. So, and, and so I feel like as things, you know, I used to freak out about everything, of course, but I always wanted to push through, which I think is an important note for people who want to be in business or start their own company is like, if you start feeling like you don't want to push through, you probably shouldn't do it because there are many, many years of pushing through ahead of you. Um, but I think like once I got that in perspective, it's like you I just get a di- usually my feelings are like in my stomach, but I get a different sensation. Like I think it's really important to pay attention to what your body is telling you in different situations. Like, do I feel relaxed? Do I feel tense? Does this feel bad? Does this not feel that scary? Like I feel like I can just if I'm quiet, I can just like tune into that. And that has, I let that be my guide guide because I feel like, um, you know, our minds can get really <laughs> problematic. <laughs> so, and I, I would put myself in this people with anxiety can have a hard time trusting their gut because mm-hmm. it's hard to differentiate between intuition and fear. Like mm-hmm. if I sometimes, sometimes I know before I get on a plane that it is absolutely going to crash and mm, I absolutely should not get mm-hmm. on it, but then I get on it and it's, and it's fine. fine. Yeah. yeah. So how is, do you, is there a way you can do that with regards to your anxiety? Uh, I mean, for me, you know, I, I, I think I talk about it a little bit in the book, but I've definitely talked about it on Instagram, like getting over my own travel anxiety was a huge thing for me because it like debilitating since I was a teenager. Help me. Yeah. Well, first of all, you have to go to my Instagram. There is in the stories, highlights highlights or whatever. I have one that's like step-by-step how I did it. Travel anxiety. Yeah. Um, which starts with getting to the airport really early. But but also, like, the main thing for me with how I got to the 
how I got to unpack a lot of my anxiety was understanding like that the mind and our ego is like a very outdated system that is meant to protect us. So it was like a mechanism that made sense when we were being chased by lions. Um, we are no longer, I mean, unless you're like Siegfried and Roy or whatever, who are those people <laughs> were, those were tigers. But, you know, I mean, for most of us, we're not fearing for our lives every day. Well, I do, but that's because I have an issue with that. But like, we're actually not in danger, but like the mind wants to stay busy. And so it creates these scenarios to like help you get out of danger, like getting on a plane that you know is going to crash yeah. when it's not. So, so as I was able to start separating like my, my, like just listening to what my mind is saying and not identifying it as like, this is truth because like a lot of times it's not truth. And when it's fear-based negative stuff, it's usually your mind okay. wreaking havoc. Like, so it's like if it's fear based, that's not your intuition. That's the anxiety. That that's that's your mind. Like okay. that. Like limiting thoughts are usually from your mind. You know, I would say I think I. This is what I believe. If you were really about to get on a plane that was going to crash and you were thinking about it, you would feel something different in your body. Like it wouldn't be like your brain going. And then what if this happens? And what is it? You know, and it's like it can get very noisy up there, you know, especially if you're being triggered by having to get on a plane and you don't want to. Um, but to me, you know, the idea is like recognizing that voice in your head, realizing that it's not you putting some distance between the thoughts and then addressing it. Like I got to the point and I talk about this in the highlights. Um, thank you for protecting me. I'm actually not in any danger. So I don't need you right now. You can just take a seat. If anything happens, I promise I'll call you. <laughs> but for right now, like we're all good. We're safe. And Statistically, we're very safe. Like yeah. actually driving in LA is more dangerous. Um, and that, like the more I practice that, and I do it with a lot of things, not just that. I mean, anytime I'm trying to combat that sort of like um, negative self-talk, it's like, that's not me. That's It's not me. I mean, so I have to like rationalize with this other this other person that's up there. And are you able to do that even when you have these like – significant depressive episodes. I know you had like one in the desert. Yeah. The, well, the desert was, was not like clinical depression. The okay. desert was just like grappling. I mean, trying to write a book in the middle of the desert, being confronted by, you know, excavating and what comes up. And it, it was, it wasn't like a positive or negative experience. I mean, it was both and it was neither. Um, I think we, for me, depression is much different than anxiety because anxiety is very noisy. Depression, you're not actually hearing that much in your mind. Like everything slows down, you know, so much so that like you can't even talk. Mm -hmm. So it's like at that point, it's more for me, what comes up is like you can rest for a couple of days and then if it's still there, you got to take action. Like you can't let this. So like the way I approach, like how I'm going to deal with that is different because my depression is like it truly just a chemical thing. And what is the action then calling a psychiatrist? Call my doctor. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and then, I mean, the other thing that gets complicated is like 
a lot of times when you feel sad, you're drinking or, you know, you're doing things that are actually contributing to it. And and sometimes that's hard for me. So usually if I talk to my doctor or uh, my Reiki healer, <laughs> who's like sort of, she's like a quasi therapist, like if I can just put it outside of me and talk to someone, it usually helps. Or I post something on Instagram, like really getting a perspective um, on how I'm feeling helps like action working towards a solution for me. I'm really curious. You talk a lot about like mental health in the workplace and like you've created a workplace where you can cry. I We're in the crying room right Oh, I was going to, that was one of my questions. <laughs> you say in your book, by the time yes. this book comes out, we will have a crying room. That was definitely one of my questions. Okay, good. Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. Uh, there was a small argument about this room, but like I said, this is, well, I told you, I don't think we were recording yet, but this is like our HR office. It is the only private room in our office. Everything else is glass offices, or as you saw, like an open floor plan. We have the second floor, which is private because no one goes down there, but this was going to be the crying room. I was like, I'm going to do it. I've promised everyone I'm going to have it. Um, and then... They needed it for HR more than they needed that. Uh, but in essence, it, in a way, it is. You know, I think my office also has become a bit of a crying room in the best way possible. You know, um, do I, I still have two months before the book comes out. So I'm like, can we do build something downstairs? But, um, you know, I think that there's, I had dreams of like what the room, I mean, I think I described Tag it in the runs. book. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think like there's also a way to create that space like mentally and emotionally without being like, go in this room, yeah. you know? And and that I feel like is more of what we've accomplished just based on my own personality and like what felt acceptable to me always. Like there was never anyone shaming like, I didn't realize that you could be, like, shamed for having emotions in the workplace. Like, I've never worked anywhere else. Like, I was a freelancer. So this yeah. is my first job in an office. So were you – I have so many questions about right. this. Were you – We have plenty of time. <laughs> I think my lunch meeting got canceled. Oh, great. We'll be here for five hours. Um, were you ever, like, embarrassed when you did have really big – I know you talk about, like, yeah. the day Andrew moved back to yeah, Australia. Yeah, yeah. Like, did you feel shame post facto or, like, people would view you as less of a boss or a professional? No. Never. I mean, as if you know anything about me, <laughs> me worrying about if, if you seem professional, somehow never, 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 never had the thought, never had the thought in every profession I've had, um, which I guess is a blessing. But no, I just I've always felt um, like that emotions are healthy. Uh, also, like I'm not walking around like hysterical screaming. Right. Like I, I certainly think there are, there's, there's a level where it then becomes inappropriate. And certainly when those emotions are fueled by anger or, you know, um, come from a more negative place, I, I don't encourage, I mean, I, I encourage responsible emotions yeah. in, in the workplace, not just like everyone emote everywhere. I mean, that's, I wouldn't encourage that in a home, right? <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't just don't think it's healthy, but yeah, I've never, I've, I've just have never had that relationship. I feel shame about other things, but not that. <laughs> we'll get into that. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> what, okay. So what about pragmatically, like if somebody feels anxious, would you encourage them to go home? If somebody's having a depressive episode, 
can they stay home for three days? What if that's every month? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, we, I mean, we have a lot of these weighted blankets around the office. When you walked in, there's like this area called the chill zone where sometimes I think like, I know it helps me to sometimes get out of the energy of a group and just sit quietly and just like breathe. I mean, we do we do like we do yoga here and guided meditation. And so like we do things to try and set people up for success. Um, I, so, so here's the thing. And this is like the, the thing that I think like the challenges of having a company and how you actually, what, what are the standards that you create? Um, My answer is going to be, I don't really know, but mostly because it's no longer my job. Like I don't run the company. I'm the chief creative officer. Like I, I work on like the vision, the aesthetic, the tone, where are we going to be in five years? Like, as far as like, how do you implement these processes? It's, I'm not actually the one that can solve it into the minutia. I'm the one that's like, we need to implement policies. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm the one that's like, this is what our workplace needs. And, and as far as like how we approach, um, emotions or mental health issues in the workplace has been, we've been talking about it for years, you know? Um, and it's just not an easy thing. My sense is there's always an opportunity for people to work from home. I think like if you're going to be, have an anxiety attack every week and it's going to keep you from work. Like at a certain point, it's the individual's responsibility to work towards solving that. Because like, I think we would, we would be on the spectrum of like one of the more um, understanding companies to work for just based on me. Like if you report directly to me, I'm like, yes, please go home. Here's what I think you should do. Maybe read this book, you know, you're, I don't think you're going to receive that in a lot of places, but I also just feel like it's not, it, it's like a mutual responsibility. Like, I mean, if it's that debilitating, right? I mean, that you have to address it. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by one of my very favorite long-term partners and one that's been definitely helping to keep me sane during my time at home, Simple Mills. I love all of their products, but in these days where many of us are spending far more time in the kitchen, their baking mixes have been an absolute lifesaver for two kind of opposite reasons. When I just want to sort of like bake my feelings out, I go for their brownie or cake mix and I use it as a base to play around with. It's nice because you get totally foolproof results, which is really hard with healthy baking, but you can also put your own spin on it and turn it into therapeutic baking time. I love adding lavender to the brownie mix or doing a few drops of peppermint extract for like a mint chocolate vibe. And then I've also been playing around with adding lemon zest and poppy seed to the vanilla cake mix, and it is so good. We made it into muffins last weekend, and we could not stop eating them. On the flip side, the pizza crust mix is a great one for the end of the day when you're like, okay, like I've already cooked two meals and I need to cook another one. It makes it so easy to get dinner on the table stat. I just top it with some organic marinara sauce and whatever leftover veggies I have on hand with a big sprinkle of fine grained sea salt and whatever dried herbs I have in my pantry. As always, all of the Simple Mills baking mixes have amazing, super short ingredient lists, and they're all grain-free, gluten-free, dairy-free, and free from any weird gums or emulsifiers. 
Currently, their website is a bit overwhelmed with orders, so I recommend that you find them on Amazon. I've still been having a lot of luck getting them shipped to my house in Brooklyn. And if you do try something, tag me on Instagram and let me know. I would love to hear what you think. I am obsessed with Simple Mills, and I know that if you try them, you will be too. All right, let's get back to the episode. Do you think... I know that you haven't worked in a traditional office other than one that you own. Um, but <laughs> quote traditional here. Do you think that if somebody is having a panic attack, they should be, you know, and they can't come in, would you say they should be open with their boss or their office or they're having do you like do you think that's the thing that will help destigmatize it ultimately? Absolutely, but I don't think that I I don't think the majority of people have that luxury. I don't think the majority of people have the type of boss or the type of relationship with their boss that they actually can do that. I I think that there's um, certainly like over the last decade as there have been so many female founders and just like new sort of modern companies started by younger people that weren't necessarily business people. I, I feel like there's a shift starting, but that that's like probably 5% of the companies yeah. done. I mean, I don't know, but a small percentage. So I, I, there is a lot of work to be done. I would say any, any opportunity you have to open up those conversations, it will, it will help. You know, I mean, you have to kind of size up your own situation because I'm not saying like do that and get fired. Um, although I think if it's something you really struggle with, do you want to work in that kind of yeah. environment? You know, but I, I feel like you can in any workplace, you could reach your arm out and touch someone else who's either struggling with a mental health issue or is close to someone that is. And so it's like. I mean, as I, the more I've talked about it, it's like, oh, I mean, we're all we're, we're all dealing we all have brains. Right. So like we're all dealing with something to what degree, you know, sometimes it's maybe you, you can't even perceive it. Um, but I, I think it's like mutual, mutual responsibility. And, and I do think it's like very situational as far as like what I would the advice I would give, because I do think it. I don't want to tell somebody to do something that they're like fired. <laughs> I always feel like it's like, oh, I had a nine to five job until mm. um, February. Mm. And yeah, I quit just to like go on my book tour and like do all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, thank you. You're um, welcome. And it's definitely been an experience. But there I felt like it was fine to say I had had anxiety, yeah. but not I am having anxiety. Because yeah. I just was like, uh. I you know, I would think people would not expect me to show up in the same way at meetings or with uh, ideas or with my professional commitment. So it's, hmm. it's, I think it, I felt very confident destigmatizing it in past tense, yeah. but not in present. Well, listen, I think that's a place to start. I, I think for me, um, I somehow have acquired this like inherent confidence in myself that I can struggle and still perform. Like that's, I mean, that's so valuable. Yeah. So so I will say I will come in and say I'm dealing with a lot of anxiety today. So let me apologize in advance if you notice something like it's not you. It's just something I'm dealing with or I'm having horrible ADD and I just can't focus. So you might have to repeat something like I like I think because I'm like hyper self-aware and I know that like I can still do it unless I'm like dealing with something debilitating, which when I had that depressive episode, like there was a lot of things I was supposed to get done that week that I just called our president and I was like, I, I, I can't do it. Like my brain is not allowing it. And I think because 98 percent of the time I deliver 
I've like earned my, you know, everyone's like, no problem. Like, is the secret to that and like the compartmentalization, is that sort of announcing what people can expect from you, but that you'll be like, is it front loading it in that way? Um, I don't know. You know, I mean, I think uh, as it as it relates to mental health issues or really anything that has to do physical or physiological that has to do with performance, it's like you know what? I just forgot what I was going to say. And this is a very interesting thing. I can't believe we made it this far with that. No, honestly, don't cut this out because it's important to see that. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm in perimenopause. I have so many different little things going on right now that I will literally, I mean, that happens to me sometimes anyways, but the extent to which it has been going on over the last like month is so frightening for me because it's like the thing I really depend on. And I'm just like, you go to the doctor and like, well, it could be this and it could be that, or it could be this. Do you have any other sort of hormonal symptoms or? I don't think so. I have to go get my blood work done again. I mean, now it's like at a point where I think it's like every six months you check it. I'm one of those people that will always have these like weird low lying symptoms. And then I get my blood work done and they're like, you're, you're like one of the healthiest people. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> tell me something's wrong. Not that I want, you know, but I mean, you want to solve I, something. Although I yeah. did think a really interesting part of your book was how you like wanted to have mono as a kid. Yeah. And you like, was that like a, that type of thing where you're like, I feel like something's wrong and I want to diagnose no, it for it? No, Was no. it an attention thing? Yeah, that's, yeah. I wanted to be seen. That, I, I like, did too. I, yeah. I would, I had, I think I took like 64 days off school one year because I felt like my mom treated me like I was special when I had a sick day. Oh, and so I would just like pretend wow. to be sick all the time. Yeah, I was not healthy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, listen, it's, I think it's something that a lot of us struggle with, but can't identify. I didn't know what was happening at the time. Yeah. I just knew that like I wanted that was just one account. But I was always like, I think I broke my leg. I think I'm always in the infirmary or, you know, whatever. With <laughs> like no, no, yeah, <laughs> no. In the 70s, it was called an infirmary too. But it was like, I was always there and there were never any symptoms, you yeah. know? And I do think it was like, listen, I'm sure there was like some low-lying mental health stuff, but I think it was mostly like needing, needing to be seen. I wish I could remember what my answer was going to be, but it's like completely. Do you have, if I ask you again, like, yeah, let's, try. <laughs> let's try, anything um, could happen. Do you, if, do you think that like front loading and saying, I'm feeling this way this day, but I'm going to accomplish my, my stuff regardless. Is that sort of what lets you have your feelings in the workplace, but also be successful at the same time? Um, I think it's, I, I definitely think it's part of it. You know, generally speaking, I feel like a healthy level of self-awareness is like something that people respect. Like when you can just speak in a way that is you can actually articulate how you're feeling. Like I think that is a very powerful thing. And I I think this is what I was going to say before. I've always been very candid, always been very candid about that. And so I, I think um, – it took a lot of power away from the issues by just like, I don't, I'm not like, 
Hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> Everyone gather around. I'd like to tell you what's wrong today. It's a big deal. Like, I think I just talk about it as much as like I got a rock in my shoe. Right. <laughs> and I'm able to do that. I'm not saying like eh, just start doing it that way, but I'm able to do that because I understand it. And it's like certainly a big deal, but also no big deal. Like we all have stuff we're dealing with and like these are my things and this is how they get in the way. But like like I'm always going to get an A for effort and it, and it's like doing your best is all you can do and your best looks different every day. And so it, I think it's less about compartmentalizing. I think it's like helping manage people's expectations and communicating yeah. it because otherwise then they're left to create their own narrative about why you're acting that way. And maybe she's mad at me. And, and also like when you're a leader in an organization, like people are constantly doing that anyways. Right. So it, I have found the more I communicate, it, it, it actually just puts people at ease. I also love the, I mean, I imagine it takes away some of its power for you too, to just be like, yeah, this is something I'm dealing with. And yeah. it, it, it is the same as a rock in my shoe or something like that. You know? Yeah. I don't, it doesn't have a lot of power over me. I, you know, I think like really the only time it does is when I have a flare up and then it's actually creating obstacles. But outside of that, I'm just like, that's just part of who I am. I don't not like it. <laughs> like I'm grateful, you know? Yeah. You say that you're sort of, you feel like your mental health struggles have taught you so much and that you are grateful for them. What have they taught? Like, why have they made your life better? Yeah. Well, um, everything I've talked about, you'll see there are like major themes to my life, which is like the idea of having self-awareness and emotional intelligence, especially is like, combined with me being sort of this like very resilient optimist who just wants to get to the bottom of things. Um, like I think all of that combined, it's just like I was presented with all of these challenges and it wasn't easy. I mean, as told in the book, like it was a long time, 20 right. years of trying to figure it out. But there are so many gifts I've been given because of that. I mean, I have a deeper empathy for other people. I have a huge understanding of something that is now front and center in people's minds. And I can talk about it, you know, with you, with with anyone in a way that like, I, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I have like, a, you know, done a fair bit of reading on the topics. Um, and I think it's like, I have multitudes. <laughs> like, I think it's just made me a layered person complex maybe so not great for men <laughs> dating but like generally like like I like the facets and I and I just feel like um being able to look back and know that I've survived what felt like some really dark stuff like I just have all this information now is there anything that you could say to somebody who was still like resenting their anxiety or depression. It was like, why, why can't I just be like happy and yeah. feel good like this yeah. person? Yeah. Well, first of all, no one, <laughs> whoever that person is, is not real. Um, we, we all have a spectrum of moods. And I mean, that's, that's just it. I mean, I would just go back to like, you can immediately change your perspective on that and start to dig around and see like, can I list three ways that this has actually helped me? Can I find one way? And just start from there, you know? And and then I think it's like you do it. Ultimately, it's your responsibility. Like, I mean, we're here. We want to have the best life we can. And to 
compare or blame or whatever, it does not move you forward. I know a lot of people like that and they stagnate and healthy people don't want to be around that kind of energy, you know? And so it's just like, find a way to progress. There, There is always a way. I mean, listen, there are extremely dire situations and mental health like can get really bad, but I'm a huge believer that there is always a little bit of light, even in the darkest tunnels. And it's just like our responsibility to at least know what direction it is and then like reach our hand out and have somebody help you. I mean, the ice cream man, I don't know. It doesn't have to be the normal channels, but I, I, I've taken a lot of responsibility for my own stuff and have worked very hard to either implement them in a positive way in my life or grow beyond them. And I just think that like, it's the most empowering thing, you know, sitting and feeling bad about it or like wishing you can't just like wish your way out of stuff, you know? Yeah, that is, it's very empowering. You said you like your, your facets, but sometimes mm. men don't. <laughs> men don't like, I mean, listen, I, why that would be so rude for me to generalize all men. The percentage <laughs> of men that are willing to meaningfully engage with the, you know, yeah, the complexities and quote unquote weirdness that, that I have, which I love about myself. Um, I have found to be a small percentage. How is date? Like, did mm. that factor into, I know you like went through a long time where you're like, should we get divorced? Should we not? Yeah. And ultimately it seems like Andrew is the one who like finally took that. The universe, the universe did it. Honestly, the universe did it. But did that, were, did that contribute to the fear that like you found a man who embraced your facets and like, how, how are you going to find another one? I don't know that he embraced all my facets. I, okay. I, I will say that from a mental health standpoint, he was always incredibly compassionate and supportive. Never once from the moment I told him what I was struggling with all the way through to the end, like he never, never failed to come to my side and do whatever it was that I felt like needed to be done. But I think there were complexities to me that he just probably didn't even understand. Not, not because he, there's anything wrong with him. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, um, so no, I don't, I'm not, a. you know, I, I would worry more about a plane crashing that I'm going to get on or that some strange person is going to murder me than I would like, will someone ever love or understand me again? Um, also because I'm just like, I don't know, that would be cool, but I don't feel like you don't like necessarily feel like you need to get married again. I'm not one of those people. Okay. No. How is dating? At like 48, how, I how think. Do you think? Well, I think it's I. You know what? Honestly, I don't. I don't know. Obviously, but I do think there would be something very empowering about dating when you are as self-aware and yeah. self-actualized yeah. as you are. Yes, it. I. I think finding the people to date is harder. The dating, like I went out on a date yesterday, and a daytime date, which I've never done, and was like really, you don't have to get super fancy. You're there's no pressure. You're not like drinking wine. Yeah, you're what just are you like drinking at all? Coffee, or actually not coffee, Dandy Brew, just like a dandelion. dandelion. It's so good. Great for your liver. It's so good. Um, but that yeah, it's interesting to take uh, drinking out of the equation because I think that a lot of people like 
feel like they need that lubricant. Yeah. But it also inhibits you getting to like know somebody. Totally. I mean, would highly recommend it. And I think a lot of people do that. But I think it's like it's not dark out. You're not drinking. There feels no pressure to like kiss or go back to my place. Like it's like at two in the, the most amazing way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, <laughs> I'm not saying light. I yeah. wouldn't be up for that with the right person, but I feel like it's like just like a very sobering way to approach it. And I was like, I actually like liked that. But I but I will say um, when I've gotten to the point where I've actually been on a date, which is twice after, you know, it's like <laughs> over a fair, fairly long period of time. Um, yeah, I feel very confident. Like, I don't feel nervous. Um, I think, well, I don't know if this may be too much for somebody, but like it, it is who I am. And I also think because of my level of awareness and emotional intelligence, like I can I can sort of understand people in a way that maybe I couldn't, you know, it's like, I feel like in your twenties, like, it's just like, you're blindfolded. It's really hard. Yeah. And when I look back on like what dating was like then, and it's like, I don't even, it was like, is he cute? Is he cute? I don't know. You know, like now it's like, I'm just looking for different things. And also like, I've been married. Like, I don't feel like I'm building towards something. Like, I'm just like, I'm not anti-companionship, but I'm not like, it's not oozing out of my pores that I need. I don't actually don't even know where I would fit that right now. Interesting. Do you, is it different dating? Because when you met Andrew, you weren't like the successful businesswoman Mm -mm. that you are now. Mm -mm. Now you like, you're a name people know. People certainly know the name of your company. You have a pretty significant following. Is it weird to go into a date and people like kind of feel like they know who you are? Men don't know who I am. Men absolutely do not. They do not know what Bando is. They don't like, even like this do guy a research you know what? the date. I, because I actually gravitate to actual men. So like mid 40s and on. And a, most of them don't know to do investigating. And just because like generally, generationally, it's different. I mean, the first thing I do is like when I'm on a dating (laughs) site, I'm like on my phone and then on my computer, like looking at video. I'm just like, (laughs) I'm gathering, which which actually like I don't think is healthy either because because it doesn't really tell you. who Yeah. 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 But like, um, I mean, the guy yesterday was like, forgive me. Tell me about your. I'm like, no, you're not in my demo. Like, I don't expect you. Like, there's no way you would know. So do you like that? Or like you've talked you talked yes. a little bit in the book about the the power dynamic that came from you yeah. having the money you have and the success that you have. So do you like sort of people not knowing you're coming into with all of that or I prefer to like I'm looking for people that are also successful because I just don't want that. I don't you want that again. that again. How like, did that sort of impact? I think that's a big thing that women were told that we can like do it all and be these people. But then I do think it's my husband is so he's such a feminist and he grew up in that environment. Mm-hmm. And I'm still surprised by how my success impacts our relationship yeah. to this day, you know? Um, well, I mean, in a nutshell, I think it's just incredibly emasculating. Yeah. Like I, I think certainly 50, 100 years from now, it, it will be different because boys and girls will be raised differently. But like 
there's still something inside of us that's like, I think for men especially, that like they should be the one, you know? And um, it didn't really affect me. Like I wasn't like, you know, certainly at a point there was a level of resentment because I'm just like, I want someone to contribute, but I never was like, I'm more than you or I'm, but I, I think but for him it was difficult. Like you had to make yourself smaller to make of him course. feel good? Of course. Well, I definitely couldn't like talk that much about things at work or I think all of that was very triggering for him. Mm-hmm. Also because Bando really took my focus off of him in a lot of ways. But yeah, I, I think it's hard. Um, I don't think it's like insurmountable in any way. And I do think like, um, certainly the, the personality and, and perspective of the partner can change it. But I, but I just think generally it just, it, it is emasculating. And then there is a power struggle it, and there's something like not as sexy to, to, to that, you know, I think it just, it just sort of builds. I mean, some of it I think is just human nature. And also like, I didn't know what was happening. Like, I feel very equipped now, um, to like better understand what, what could happen. And like, under, like, I was just like, I, my marriage isn't working. Like everything I articulate in the book was like, in retrospect, it was like as it was happening. Yeah. I mean, I knew this is not great, but I didn't really know the intricacies of like the damage this could do because I maybe would have addressed it yeah. in a more meaningful way other yeah. than, you know, little arguments or whatever. And then the other relationships in your life are obviously your friendships. And I think mm. that you've done this incredible job, at least from an outward perception of building these really strong female friendships. So mm-hmm. I'm one curious if you have I think a lot of people are like, I want to find my tribe, but I, I don't know how to do that. So yeah. do you have any, like, how did that happen for you? I, I get asked about that a lot. It's funny. Um, my friend Busy and I got asked to do a panel, uh, well, just a conversation for like glamour women of the year thing. And it was like about adult friendships. And I was like, no one's, is that what they want us to talk about? I don't feel I like think anyone it's would really care. it's hard to make friends as an it adult. Is, people are, and people are so, so curious to talk about it. I, I, I've mentioned it a few times on my Instagram and I'm like overwhelmed by that. I was like, oh, so, um, so I have to think about, I mean, some of it involves like Instagram stalking, <laughs> you know, like I think some of it. Have you I, actually made real friends through Instagram? Yeah. My friend Kelly Oxford, who is also how I met Busy, um, I like completely stalked her. Like, what what does that look like sorry, without Kelly. being creepy? <laughs> um, well, I think I have a good – I mean, listen, there was an incident with Nick Kroll where I, I definitely was creepy. But <laughs> <laughs> And by incident, I mean several. <laughs> then, was, like your, then was asked to stop. Your guy? He was. He, I, I think that time – I think that ship has sailed. But, but generally speaking, especially when it does not come to men, I think I have like a good gauge on like what's too much. And so like not. literally what are you in Kelly's DMs? And yes. what are you saying? Um, I think it's like a lot of God, I wish I could scroll back and find that. Um, Probably have DM'd a bit since then. Yes. <laughs> and also a lot of it, I think maybe started on Snapchat. But I think, you know, I don't know how I found her, but I just felt like we were kindred spirits and like had a similar sense of humor. And um, 
I felt like she embodied a lot of things that maybe I wanted to like bring out in myself. Like what? Um, well, like just, I mean, her profession, like writing and like um, leaning into humor, you know, um, felt really interesting to me and was something that I knew I wanted to do, um, but did not see a path to that at the time. But I think I was just like, I mean, we're we're good friends. So I think I just had a good sense. I, I I don't know that everyone has that barometer. Like, I think sometimes people are like, we could be friends. I like, I w- would be best friends with that person. And it's like, well, no, I also actually, think celebrity like, is super interesting because a lot of people feel like, like I bet a lot of people feel like they could be your best friend yeah. because you share so much of yourself yeah. on Instagram. And yes. that might not actually be the case in real life. Yes. You know? Most people probably wouldn't end up being my best friend, but maybe. For maybe. myriad reasons. Yeah. And I think that, yeah. yeah, on both sides. And so, when, but just, I'm just always so curious, like, are you literally like, hey, I think we would vibe, let's grab a coffee? Or is it like commenting on photos? I think I started just by like, yeah, commenting or like leave. Yeah, like like just trying to be funny, like trying to like um, let her see that like we're we're compatible. <laughs> and then we just started DMing, and then she knew Bandel, and so we like sort of connected over that. And I mean, I think I it might I have to look. I I mean, it might have been like a year before we actually, actually met, out in real life. you know, like I think there were a couple times I was like, let me, I'll drop it off at your house. Like I was like going to give her something or whatever. And she was like, no, you can just mail it to me. And, um, and then eventually we were kind of going through separations at the same time. And we, we ended up meeting and just like, we're in a very similar place, like personally. And so I think we just locked in, but I'm trying to think a lot of the friends I made beyond that were like, like, for instance, like busy. I met at Kelly's birthday party. Like, I think one friend can lead to lots of other friends. I I also think like working out, I met a lot of people, you know, I think if there's like some consistency in your routine where you're actually like in situations with other people, you eventually, I mean, it's first you don't talk, then eventually you're like, what's your name? And then you're talking and then it's like, would you want to get dinner or something? You know, I mean, I think it's like, it's not instantaneous. Well, and I think it's also interesting because there's this whole like movement now to take care of yourself and not mm-hmm. go to the birthday party and mm-hmm. stay in and stuff like that. And I, I've mm-hmm. met some of my friends in the times where I've pushed myself to do the thing that yeah. I, my anxiety would have maybe had me not do. You know? Yeah. I mean, listen, I would say go to the birthday party. I mean, I, I, I don't think staying in is the cure all and like the only route to self care. You yeah. know, I think actually sometimes pushing yourself out of your comfort zone is the best thing you can do for yourself. And I mean, outside of stalking people on Instagram, like you're not going to meet anyone inside your home. Right. So like take a class, do, you know, I, I mean, one of my best friends I met in sewing class 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, you know, I mean, it's like when I think about some I met at jobs, you know, I think it's like, and there are seasons to friendships too. So like you maybe now haven't talked to one of your friends in 10 years and then you talk again and you and pick you right back up. Yeah. You know, I, I I don't think there's like one 
singular way. But I also think it's like, this is what my challenge with dating that I'm really trying to work on is like, am I truly open to this? Like, am I being open hearted about this? Or am I just saying I'm doing it? But honestly, I'm still closed. And I think it's the same with me. You know, I think meeting new people in general, like if if you're not truly open to it and like ready to like ride the wave of what that means to like interact with strangers and build a relationship, then like it's probably not going to pan out. Yeah. Are you were you like at the birthday party when you met Busy? Were you like intimidated by the fact that she's somebody you would have already known who she was? No, I didn't really know her. I like I knew. Did you know she was an actress? I knew she was an actress. Um, or people in LA just in, like I know you said in the book yeah. you like went on a date with Jennifer Aniston and you're yeah. just like haha side side note and I'm <laughs> yeah. just like is that what life in LA is like? No, I mean listen, I think um, if you're here long enough, it it definitely. Ken, um, that was like semi-random. I mean, we just happened to have boyfriends that were best friends. But um, I think that in Busy's particular situation, like I definitely, I mean, I definitely knew that she was an actress. And I mostly just knew her name, Busy, because we also had all of these products that said, I am very busy. Yeah. And like I said, oh, you know, she introduced herself and I was like, oh, Oh my Do God! I have a planner for we, you. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God! I like, I, I know your name because of we make all this. But she's like, Yeah, I know who you are because she's <laughs> like, I get sent it all the time, <laughs> and then we just like we're kind of immediately friends. But I don't get intimidated anymore. Like I just feel like an established person. Like I don't know. I think it's something that comes with age and with like succeeding in any way shape or form in Mm -hmm. life like I just feel like I have a confidence that's like I don't think people are better because they're famous or wealthier than me it's like I don't know in the end we're all the same like I also do think it's 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 an interesting thing even the the base assumption like I always find it interesting in interviews with a celebrity we like want to know their thoughts on everything because they're an actress on a tv show and it's like I want to know your thoughts on the thing I feel like you're qualified to talk about, yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. interesting that you weight opinions so much more because they happen to be on a TV show or happen to be in a movie or something I like think that. it's just the sense of like familiarity. Mm-hmm. I mean, I for me, even in dating, because I'm on that Raya app, which is like, there's a lot. And I, and like my friends are always like, why are you on that? Like, it's, and I'm like, well, I think part of it is like, I'll see people that I feel like I recognize yeah. or know and it feels like it takes some of like the scary mystery out and oh, it's that's interesting. like and even it's though ridiculous. you like don't rec- you, like you don't know them you absolutely don't know them yeah and so I think I think especially now because we have access to so much of people that you you're curious about it because of the way like celebrity especially is presented to us. I mean, that said, I think there's a lot of celebrities that have a lot to offer outside of what they do. But I do think generally people just it's probably in the same way that people know me are like, like from Instagram, like don't personally know me when I meet them. There's like a familiarity that they're like, I'm so sorry. Is this weird? And I'm like, no, it's not weird. Like, I totally get it. And so I think I just think that that's like a cultural thing that has been that way always. Right. Yeah. Okay, last thing on friendship. 
you, I think you talked a while ago on Instagram, you like went on a trip with a bunch of your friends mm. and you like had a depressive episode on that trip, I want to mm. say to Mexico. Mm-hmm. It was and actually a work trip. A work trip, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. I'm so curious, like I just recently had a, a panic attack in front of a friend mm. where I told her that I was having it. Yeah. And it was so, I don't know, it just was like my last shame thing I needed to like get yeah. over. And she was so great and so wonderful. But yeah. I'm just curious how you balance, you know, be like showing up and being there. And then are you like on that trip where you like, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling depressed, I'm not going to go to the pool today. Or Yeah. Yeah. I and So the trip started as a as like a personal thing. It was a friend's wedding. And then some of the girls from work met. It was like an inspiration trip for us. By the time they got there, which I had already been in Mexico for like four days, I was already like not great. But I sometimes it'll be four days and out and sometimes it will be a lot longer. So I was like, I'm just going to like I didn't want to burden them initially with like I'm having a depressive episode because they'll worry about me. They're like girls that I've known that have worked here for so long. So they're like family to me. Um, But yeah, eventually it was just like undeniable. And so I think it's just like setting boundaries for myself and yeah, being like, I'm just going to have to skip out on this. Or like if I go, I might just be quiet Um, Do you ever feel like your mental health has gotten in the way of you being like the friend that you want to be? Oh, all every, (laughs) every stage of my life. I mean, even recently, I've had to apologize for people and just say like, I I didn't like I didn't come to whatever this dinner. uh, It wasn't like, please, it has nothing to do with you. Like, I'm I'm just struggling right now. And I couldn't do it. Like, but um even in my 30s, like I couldn't always articulate that. So I think a lot of people felt very abandoned by me because I wasn't saying anything. And I, I think I've hurt a lot of people's feelings um, based on some suffering that I was having that I just wasn't necessarily communicating. Yeah. Like I've 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 actually have made a commitment to try and understand what being a better friend is like because I think I'm like a really fun friend and I like love to give advice and like like people like to be friends with me but I think fundamentally I don't always know the things that you're supposed to do to like maintain a friendship and I don't I haven't had to lean into it because I'm just likable (laughs) you know and I can like just joke about something and then they're just like warmed back up so you made in in making that commitment have you sort of figured any of those things out yet Yeah. I mean, I think like, I think open communication, I mean, I think treating it like any other intimate relationship, you know, I think those same rules apply. So I think it's like showing up for people. If you can't show up communicating why I think like setting your own boundaries. I mean, sometimes what I would do in friendships is like put myself last Mm -hmm. and then do everything for the other person and then secretly feeling like resentful. Yeah, yeah. That there's no reciprocity. And so I think, you know, I mean, I, I, I think it's just like being, being responsible and being communicative and like honoring yourself and the friendship as much as you're honoring your friend. And yeah. so I just try and try not to make any assumptions. Like, I think like, right. That's where so many arguments and like misunderstandings are. It's like, you just don't say the one thing, but you, then you just start to create a narrative in your head 
And then the next thing you know, you're in a fight and there was no reason. I mean, I'm not really a person that fights with anyone, but I think like. But you can build up resentment. Yeah. Certainly based on assumptions. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Or at least have a misunderstanding that like puts a little dent in the friendship that didn't need to be there. Right. You know, another way relationships have like played a huge role in your life, I feel like, is in work. Mm-hmm. Like you talk in the book about how um, when you guys first launched the site, oh, joy mm-hmm. shared mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. and you got all these orders. And then um, I think there. Oh, when you guys wanted to sell, you like had a friend who put it on a young president yeah. site or yeah. something like that. How when you're building relationships in your work life, are you sort of thinking about that strategically or how I know that networking has played like a huge role in my own life, but mm. I struggle with feeling like I only want to become friends with people if I really want to. Yeah. And I, yeah. it feels icky to do it for any other reason. Yeah. I'm a horrible networker. Okay. Horrible. My mom, I remember when I graduated college and she like got me these business cards that I had no business. It just like it's just had like, my name and like, uh, <laughs> like FSU graduate. I don't know. It, it was so silly. And she was like, you have to learn to network. And I was like, no, I don't that I think anything that feels like semi inauthentic is very hard for me. Like it's always just made me uncomfortable. So I have I can't think of a time where I've been like super strategic about a friendship as far as like, well, this will help me professionally. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. You all know that I am fully obsessed with tea. I probably drink honestly like 12 cups of herbal tea a day. Because of my anxiety, I don't actually consume any caffeine. I've actually found that that caffeine type stimulation and jitters can lead me to have panic attacks, which is one of the many, many reasons why I love Pucka so much. Pucka is a tea company that I became addicted to years ago when Zach and I were living in England, and they have so many herbal teas, including tons of medicinal herbs that you really can't find anywhere else. They have so many kinds, so I definitely encourage you to go to PuckaHerbs.us to check them all out. But a few of my favorites are the Relax, which has a marshmallow root, fennel, and chamomile blend, and it helps with digestion or just general stress relief. I love to drink it to just unwind and sink into my couch. And then the After Dinner Tea, which I drink whenever I feel too full which is often because I like my snacks. And then the Tulsi Clarity, which has holy basil, which is really cool. It's actually an adaptogen that adjusts to give your body whatever it needs, whether it's more energy or more focus or more zen. I love sipping on the herbal tea all day as a way to stay hydrated without drinking a ton of caffeine or getting bored by water. And I also really love reaping the benefits of all of the functional herbs. It's such an easy, impactful thing to do to totally improve your health. I know a lot of you are worried about plastic and tea bags after all of those news stories a while back, and I'm happy to report that the Pucka bags are fully plastic-free and are stitched together with 100% organic, non-GMO cotton. No weird glues or anything. 100% of their ingredients are organic, and Pucka actually sources really consciously as well. They're certified fair for life, which is the highest standard of fair trade, which means the farmers they source from are being treated well and paid super fairly. You can go to PuckaHerbs.us to check out all of Pucka's amazing tea blends. They have caffeinated ones, too, including a green tea and cardamom revitalized blend that Zach is totally obsessed with. And if you have any questions or just want to chat about tea, I love chatting about tea, hit me up on Instagram at Liz Moody. I could honestly talk about tea until the end of time. Now, let's get back to the episode. Do you always, do you think... How do you think then that you get those relationships that have sort of because relationships are such a huge part of a career? Yeah, 
I mean, I think I just try and be a magnet for like drawing in what I put out. And so I think I pull people in. I mean, it's been the same here. Like, I just think I pull people in to my orbit. And and then if there's something there, like, I mean, those relations have been effortless. I mean, Joy's been my friend for a long time. She like posted about me on her blog when I was had a blog. And then like, then eventually we met. And then we were kind of starting businesses at the same time. You know, I, I think it's like, um, I mean, I like the people I like. I, I sort of, I mean, now have the luxury of like being in social situations with other people that are established in their life, whether it's business or Hollywood stuff or, you know, doctor, you know, it's like yeah. whatever, whatever it is. It's like I'm a grown up, so I commune with other grown ups. But I think like I just here in L.A. just had the luck of like sort of like randomly getting in with a group of people that were all kind of doing their own thing. And like, we just were like, that's all like have a dinner once a month or so, you know, I think. Well, that's interesting though, because that even that just creates a structure yeah, for it. Yeah. I think if it was like, um, we've had a couple mixers here and I'm like, it, I promise they won't be like the kind of mixer that is like the absolute worst and people have really benefited from it. And so I think like, I think probably deep down, I like the idea of networking, just not in the way that it is portrayed. And so I do think like just being like, let's get together or like I had friends, um, we would get breakfast every Friday and just like talk about what was going on. And then I met friends from their friends, you know, and I and so I think it's like, um, I don't know, I guess I always I'm just a believer of like, I, I think all things can come organically if you're like have the right energy. Like, I just feel like the right things come to you if you're putting the right energy out. Like, it's just, that's always how it has been for me. And what if somebody's like, man, I want to have that right energy, but like, I feel like, like you even, I think you said with your ex that he just felt like so unlucky. Yeah, and it's really just like, did. what if you're just like, you wake up every morning and you're like, I'm going to have the right energy today. And that just feels like the world like punches you in the face. I think that you you have to start by like what I was saying earlier. I know people like that. And I and Andrew, too, like it would I mean it was just hard because it's just not the way I look at the world. I mean, I've been punched in the face a bunch if we're keeping score. But so it's like a punch in the face isn't a punch in the face unless you see it as a punch in the face. Yeah. I mean, listen, you're still getting punched. Right. But it, it's like I just don't believe that the like world is so cruel that it just punches you in the face all the time. Like I and and listen, I've had a I've I've had a great life, so I, I'm not dealing with some of the some of the tragic lives that people are having. But I do. I just approach those things as an opportunity. I just always have like I'm in a curiosity, like, I wonder why this is happening right now, you know, rather than I mean, if if I get 10 punches in the face in one day, I'm like, I think I just need to go to bed. <laughs> you know, have I had like long periods? I think when I was in my 20s trying to figure things out, I think I felt like um you know, if I chose to look at the the world was against me, there there may have been times. But again, I just think there's always this little glimmer inside of me that's like, that's not what's happening. And now older, I mean, the perspective I have and have had for so long has served me so well in my life that it's like, to me, it's like, why would you ever like, why would you have that perspective? Like you could 
very quickly not have it and just be like, sort of take it apart. Like, these are the things that would make any person sad or feel defeated. And I'm going to like process those negative things and emotions and like work through it. And then here are all these other things that I'm just creating on top of it, like just piling on more negativity that only is going to cause me more suffering. No one else is going to suffer from what I'm doing. And so I, I just, and also just having the luxury of like looking back on my life, it's like anytime something that would be on paper, a punch in the face, like has actually just created some other opportunity. Sometimes you don't even see what it is for 10 years, but like I mean, offhand, and, and maybe I've just like haven't spent any energy on like holding on to the really awful things. Um, I can't think of anything that didn't end up being great, even if it if I felt really destroyed at the time. You Has know? there been any? Can you give an example of something that felt like impossible to work through, either at work or at personally, and like how you actually did the work to go through it? I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, I think about my marriage a lot just just because, um, you know, that was that was like a constant issue, you know, for a long time and um, certainly something that had negative things happen for both of us. And when I look back, was like, oh, that was like nudges to just like address this and maybe understand that it's not the right thing. So I'm like thinking about work. I mean, listen, it's like a lot of bad things happen in business all the time, you know, yeah. lawsuits or misunderstandings or people are ripping you off or people are accusing you of ripping them off or I mean, any number of things. I mean, a lot of great things happen too. I think, um, I think I can't recall something because I literally just like process it and move on. Like I don't like document. These are the awful things that happen. Like I don't think anything, I mean, maybe the things that have happened would be awful for someone else, but like for me, I mean, we've gone, we've had some really high periods here and some really low periods. And I think the most recent low sort of came at a time where I was gaining a better understanding of like why those things happen and like the value and that there are no peaks without valleys and no valleys without peaks. So it was just like, it, that was the first time in my life where I'm like, I can just sort of sit back and watch this happen. There's just like, there's not really anything I can do. And it, I'm just going to let it play out. And being on the other side of that now, it's like, huh, that was great. Like it actually, everything's great now. It's so weird. So I think it's like, maybe sometimes it's like more of being like observant and curious and not feeling like you have to react right away. Do you meditate? Cause that feels like a very, I like, do. I, I'm not great at it. I, I mean, I'm very mindful just in general. Like I'm just because of the ADD, like I'm just not not great in it. And I usually fall asleep because I refuse to sit up and meditate. Although we did a meditation at my house the other day and I was like, I did it 11 minutes sitting up <laughs> and I didn't fall asleep. Um, but I think even a few minutes of that, even a minute, you know, of just like trying to clear, like yeah. truly clear um, or like connect with something greater. It certainly helps me 
but I am not like a, I meditate every day. I wish I could say that. I, I don't know if that's in my future. <laughs> Do you still see Laurel, the therapist? No, I haven't seen her. changing your life? Mm-mm, no. Um, although I feel like I should send her a book. Um, it's <laughs> like the most flattering portrayal of a human I've ever yeah, read. I she, think you should absolutely send her a book. She deserves it. Um, no, you know, um, I I think I just like evolved out of that and really haven't done that much talk therapy. Like I've really sort of taken everything I've learned and just tried other um, like manners of like healing. So and now I just feel like I kind of want to just preserve the time we had. Like it was very impactful in my life. But I think like, again, it doesn't mean it's the same thing with jobs or with anything. Like just because something was so amazing, it doesn't have to be amazing for the rest of time. So I think it's just like it's like this little long period of my life but what are some other modalities you've tried and like would you recommend or not mm. recommend just like list them and i like, would recommend, recommend or not all of it except for float tanks <laughs> <laughs> why not, no float tanks? not a fan no i mean for me personally i was just like I, did it not do anything or did it make things worse i just didn't like the experience okay like i just did it was not pleasant for me at okay. all um but i am just a huge advocate for trying everything and then just being honest with yourself about what's actually working okay you know so what's worked for you um well reiki healing has been like life-changing my the same cleanse friend is the one that introduced me to my reiki healer betty who i mentioned briefly in the book um life-changing for me so energy work i think i'm i mean i've mentioned energy so many times in this interview like it's a huge thing for me and i and i saw i saw a huge change in myself and just how I felt through that. Um, I did a little bit of EMDR. Um, Can you just speak to what that is super quickly? It's, it's so it's it's a type of therapy. I mean, it's there's it's not a talk therapy really, but it's like a type of therapy that was developed for. I think it was developed for veterans or something. It's like for it's PTSD, for trauma, yeah. yeah. Um, but as it turns out, like there are all levels of trauma. So so it's essentially. I think maybe, you know, like it's it's it goes to a place in your brain where you hold certain things that you actually can't extract with like um, cognitive stuff or talk and it therapy does it just by moving. You move your you eyes, you can move right? your eyes or you can I the eye thing was not great for me. So I held these buzzers and you basically just walk through certain experiences in your mind and then they'll kind of stop you and be like, what are you thinking now? What do you it somehow really unpacks try it. it, but I feel like I. Rem- like the really, I know I have PTSD from certain experiences, mm-hmm. but my memories of those time are so li- like I don't remember. They're it. there though. They're that's what this does. Okay, it, it pulls them. They're there. Everything is there. Like so, even ha- if you go in and you're like, I literally don't remember that in my life. Yes, they. That's their. Okay. That's their job. Okay, like is to extract those and like process it and let it go. Okay, so I I didn't feel like I had any major traumas. I was just dealing with like a murder complex that I could not shake where I literally all the time thought people were going to murder me, including my brother. Every time we went on a hike, I'm like, you have to walk in front of me. And in my mind, I'm like, you will push me off this cliff. And he does not, I don't think, I mean, I think there's been times in his life where maybe he wanted to murder me because I'm an annoying older sister, but so I just, I was like, Did this is help? just limiting. Yeah, totally helped. Really? She also, this particular doctor was the one who 
like explained mindfulness and like you start by doing mindfulness exercises and having that along with all the things I was reading about, like the brain and the ego, like helped me. I'm a very fast learner. So it was like, sometimes I only need, like, I'm sure I could go back and really dig some, some stuff up. Um, but I, I know a lot of people who have had a huge success with that. So I, I would do that. I mean, like obviously acupuncture, um, I mean, normal stuff like exercising, but sound baths. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll literally it, I would try anything unless I felt like, um, it was really going to put me in danger, but like, even like psychedelics, like I, I just think I've done mushrooms. No, I'm, I, I, it's very intriguing to me, but I have read some things with like, if you're on medication, you're not really supposed to do it. And I don't want to go off medication, maybe at some point in my life, but now does not seem like the time to like disrupt that. But I do think like with lower level stuff, like I've had some like very interesting experiences. On mushrooms? Yeah. Like I, I, it wasn't something where I'm like, let's get high. Like I just, I. Did you try to do it in like a therapeutic sense? I, um, I did it. I did it when I was in the desert by myself and I, and I, I understood like what, I mean, I had done a lot of research and like understood what those, those types of you know, plant medicine or whatever is meant to do, like what it's meant to reveal. And I was like so interested in that. And did it? Yeah, it's wild. But I think you have to, I mean, I think a lot of people just do it recreationally, um, which is no judgment there. I mean, like, sure. Um, but But I do think you have to sort of like at least for me, I feel like it, the times I've gone in like with an intention or a question or like wanting to get perspective and like I'm like writing things down while it's happening yeah, ha- has been I mean, it just it just moves your mind and ego aside and just gives you like access to like another level of knowing that like we don't access normally. So it yeah. It, like astounded by it and I'm not a, per- a drug person like do I just do weed or CBD oh I I will I mean CBD huge okay. part of my getting through it getting through my anxiety weed I was like very late to the game like only in the last couple years um like when it was actually legal yeah I waited till it was legal <laughs> so the mushroom thing's a little funky because it's not legal but it should be legal and it will be legal yeah it will be soon, um I think. And I feel like I'm using it very responsibly, but I, yeah, the weed, I was like, I can't do it until I could get a card (laughs) and now you don't even need that. But I, I have mixed feelings. Like I've used it a lot just as like, so I'm not drinking all the time or just like as a relaxer, like I'm not trying to get as high as possible. Like, I don't know. I don't think that that makes any sense, but I do, I do think it affects my mood afterwards. Like, I mean, there, there are a lot of things that say like, if you're suffering from depression, like you shouldn't do that. And I also think like, maybe it is interrupting some of my cognition. So I'm in a weird place with it. Cause I'm just like, Oh, why do I have to let go of everything? <laughs> what about alcohol? Like you, you obviously drink mm-hmm. and you talk about drinking, but do you ever like, how do you balance that with your depression or your anxiety? You know, it's I I don't feel like I with like what I would say like normal alcohol consumption. So like a glass of wine a week or, you know, like it 
a couple drinks on the weekend. Like, I don't feel like that has really caused me a problem. I think when I'm actually going into a depression and then I'm drinking all the time, like not to a place where it's like I'm blacking out every day, but like if I'm having a glass of wine every day and then on the weekends, like having four drinks and not feeling good for two days after, like, I I can't imagine that's not a contributor, <laughs> you know. Um, well, I have a friend who like quit drinking because of what she calls like the fear the next day, uh, and it just gave her such anxiety the next day that she oh, felt like she couldn't do oh, it. Oh yeah, I haven't really experienced anything that I okay. think if I had, would. I would. But I will say I I I gave up drinking. I like mid December and haven't had anything and I I feel great. I mean it's absolutely unsustainable for me because I just I like to have a drink, you know. I mean I think it's fine and I think I have a relatively healthy relationship with it, but um I mean I you know, I mean if you do everything that like people that know mind body stuff and how food relates, if you follow those things you pretty much always feel better. Mm-hmm. But I just I mean To me, there's like has to be something in moderation. Well, I feel like there's also like I always say there's like feeling good in your body, feeling good in your soul, feeling good in your mind. You have to balance all of them. And like pasta makes me feel good in some ways. Yes. It makes me feel less good in other ways. Yes. A balance. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So one more thing before I ask the questions I ask everybody. Okay. Um, I want to talk about appearance, especially in terms of like, you're really open about when you have acne struggles mm. on Instagram. It's and stuff a, like ongoing. That. It's and, an ongoing thing. Well, and I think some, I think, and also even with aging, you'll mm-hmm. talk about that. And I'm curious what your relationship is to your physical appearance. I, we've talked a little bit about body, yeah. like your face and yeah. how you find confidence. In that. Yeah. I, you know, it's a very complicated relationship because there's like the voice inside of me that's like, you should be ashamed that you're aging. You should be ashamed that you look like that. You should be ashamed that your butt looks like that. You know, you're not as pretty as other people. Um, you know, just all of them. It's I not mean, the voice inside. It's the voice of coming it's everything. from all around. But listen, it's, uh, when it's just me, myself, and I, I, I can hear it loud and clear, <laughs> uh, you know, without looking at anything. So, But certainly, yes. I mean, especially growing up when I did, like – I mean, it was force fed. So what do you do with that? Um, well, I I am really it's very front of mind for me right now um, because I would love to just eliminate it because I just don't it's just not something on the flip side. There is this very grounded, realistic sort of Zen side of me that's like as far as aging, like. I got to like 38 and I hadn't done anything like Botox. And then I was like, I don't know why you would start now. Like I like I sort of then just like developed this curiosity. Like, I wonder how I'm going to age. Like, I wonder what not fighting it would look like, because I feel like watching people fight it is like it's a battle you don't win. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, and I was like, it's impossible what if I had one less battle and was just like, huh? And also like. What a great thing to be able to show to younger people that like that doesn't have to be the thing. And like there's so much wisdom, like there's so much that comes with age. That's great that like I feel like it's something I could sort of destigmatize. So so there's a motivation there. Um, And I very rarely, rarely feel shame. Maybe in the dating world is probably the only time where it's like because you're basically 
quote unquote competing with women 20 years younger yeah. than you. But I'm just like, whatever. Um, and then I think like with like appearance stuff outside, just like looks wise, I think there is the part of me that's like, it doesn't matter. Like, that's not who you are. Like, I'm I'm what's inside. And, like, I try and project that out. So it's, like, I think about people I love that wouldn't be, if you saw a picture of them, wouldn't be, like, oh, my God, gorgeous. But it's, like, I can see them whole, you know, it's, like, I don't even think about, I, some people I probably couldn't even tell you what color their eyes are because I just don't think of them as, like, features and body and and so I try and project that onto myself to be like all the work I've done um and holding myself accountable to being a good person and like putting good out into the world it's like I kind of feel like that should be enough (laughs) you know um and would just love to reduce the other stuff but I think there's a lot I don't know that I have the solution I think there's you can ask me in a year because I because I will be through it this year um I think it's just like everything else like dismantling those thoughts and like just really understanding uh where they come from and like how you can like turn it into like a whisper and then it just slowly goes away with lots of other things and Betty my Ricky healer would tell me that like don't worry that it didn't just flip. Like, just keep doing it. And like in a few months, you're going to be like, oh my God, I just realized that hasn't happened in a month. And that has happened, like that happened to me with a lot of other, um, like, you know, ruminations I would have. So I feel confident. I just think I have to do a little bit more work to like really get to the bottom of why I can't. I think, I think I was just given some of those things, like things that maybe aren't like the the per, quote unquote perfect version of something for me to like finally in this lifetime, like just work through like true self-acceptance and I'm just not there yet. So when you like have a pimple, do you feel like that's an opportunity to do that work? I feel like it's an opportunity to pop it <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, the pimples, I, I mean, listen, like I, I wish I wouldn't have them that those are more like, a frustration when you have something physical happening and you're doing all the right things and you can't get to the bottom of it. Yeah. I mean, outside of that, like most people have like very few, I mean, busy has perfect skin, never seen anything like it. She's like a porcelain doll. But I think like for the most part, it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do? I think there are bigger things for me. I think it's like, why do your legs look like that? And they're not, that's not due to anything. That's just like genetically how they turned out. (laughs) I'm like, why does my dad have beautiful thin ankles and I have these other things, (laughs) you know, but it's like, those are silly, silly things. Right. So So that's, I think where the real opportunity lies. I think like gray hair or whatever is like, I'm just like, oh, okay, well, eh." but also like, cool. So have you not done Botox or filler? Nothing. I've never done anything. But again, it's like. In LA that almost feels like just like such a huge thing. I'm just like, are you the only one? Well, listen, I think if I had to be on camera all the time, I mean, even with Instagram, like I'll see stuff. I'm like, oh, God, sagging everything. But then I'm just like, whatever. I I, like I said, I think I missed the window mostly because I feel like I would be the one person that would die from Botox. And that kept me out of the Botox game. And then I was like, I mean, these wrinkles are pretty deep. Like, I just don't think it just it just doesn't feel like it would make any sense. And so I just like, I would rather spend my, the money I'm going to allot to 
personal betterment on things that like run much deeper than that. Like I just don't want to, I mean, because it's not, it's a costly endeavor, that kind of maintenance. So I'm just like, I just don't think that's, I'd rather get a massage. (laughs) I love that. Okay. A few questions I always ask everybody. One, do you feel successful? And if so, why or why not? Yes, I do feel successful. Um, I think uh, for a couple of reasons, I feel like externally, like I get a fair bit of praise and people refer to me as a successful person. So I feel like I've accrued enough evidence (laughs) that even if I didn't believe it, I'm like, well, could that many people be wrong? Like, um, and then I think just there's like, even when we were talking about dating, like, I just think there's like a, a confidence or calmness inside that I didn't have that I'm like, yeah, I think I did it. You know, I don't think I'm done, but like, I, yeah, but mostly I just think there's evidence. Like I'm very like pragmatic in that way. It's like, okay, I, I could see. <laughs> Was there a moment with Bando? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think there's been, I think from day one, I've felt successful in different ways, you know? Um, it's tricky here because there are so many ups and downs that like one day you feel like a success story. The next day you're like, oh my God, I've screwed this whole thing up. So um, no. I mean, I think all of that is a work in progress. I think like just for me personally, I I think if I like saw my resume or read an article about me, I'd be like, oh, that person's successful. So I, I think that's the thing I hold on to. What's the best way to spend 20 minutes every day in terms of being healthier or happier? Mm. That is such a good question. Uh, I, I, I do a couple things that could that maybe would they would they would work to 20 minutes. I make my bed every morning, which is my same friend who told me about the Reiki. This is a me, great friend. Yeah, Ashley Stryker. She is she's really hairstylist. Yeah, yeah. She's one of the Stryker sisters yeah. uh, who I believe are my family. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're all glorious. Um, and also became friends with them through the internet as well because I was like, I think I would be friends with those people. And they thought they would be friends with me and we became friends. Anyway, it's a really good argument for showing who you are on Instagram in some ways. Like, oh, yeah, totally. Because then you can you get deliver, a vibe for people yeah. and see if you would be compatible. Yeah, you deliver on the promise. Now I'm trying to remember what <laughs> the thing was that she. Wait, tell me what we were making your bed every day. Yes. OK, so she suggested that years ago. And uh, and you have this like crazy sense of accomplishment right out. And then you get to get into a made bed like you're in a hotel. Every night. So I love that. I did, you know, 40 something years. I never made my bed. Yeah. Except for when I, I was a kid know. and my mom Maybe would scream at me. No. Yeah. Oh, try it for a week. Okay. Try it for a week. Really mindfully brushing your teeth because I am not one. I've, I've spent years like completely denying oral hygiene. I, like I have like a weird thing with my mouth and teeth, but I've, I work to get over it. Go to the dentist regularly. Got one of the electric toothbrushes that like it's a two minute thing yes. so and I just like try to commit I can't do it every night because some nights I'm like I just want to use mouthwash and go to sleep I just can't even be bothered but most mornings and nights I like really try and like mindfully just be like um I'm brushing my teeth I'm brushing my teeth it's interesting <laughs> you, know? you do it mindfully because I I brush my teeth every morning every night and I definitely say every she get an electric toothbrush but I'm on my phone when I do it oh no 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 yeah 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 like I think there's you know we were talking about meditating um 
I think there are like you can put yourself in sort of a meditative state without like sitting cross-legged with your palms facing up and so it's like a teeny opportunity yeah because if you just like just give yourself one thought it clears it's just like a clearing you know maybe you're not like meditating on something but you're clearing because if you're just like brushing my teeth the way this feels on my teeth get you know it's like um so I do that and then journaling I feel like is like five minutes of journaling is sounds so annoying but is like do you give yourself prompts or do you just sort of free write no I just I I try and recognize when I'm having a thought that I'm gonna wish I wrote down and start there and then just see if I can like flow out I mean you know from writing a book it's like you trying to like tap into wherever your flow is gonna be without judgment is really hard but for some reason like what well for obvious reasons when you're journaling it's a little bit less hard because no one else is necessarily going to read it, but but I but there's a lot of science behind putting words down outside of yourself to like help with your own understanding and like recreating the way you approach things. Do you make time for it every day, or do you just do it when like the urge strikes you? I'm like a teenager, so if I'm told to do something at a certain time, I won't do it. So I just kind of try and hold myself accountable. I don't do it every day. But I try and hold myself accountable to when I get that little nudge inside, like you should write this down. I try and do it. Um, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not great with the <laughs> that kind of accountability. <laughs> What's one thing that you've bought that's made your life healthier, happier? Mm. Oh, what have I bought? I feel like everything I do is so service oriented. Oh, I bought a mattress that. Um, that company Tuft and Needle literally changed my life. Because you just sleep so much better. Yes, it is. The I, I am not a paid spokesperson. It is literally everyone that comes to my house or like people will house that they're like, what is that? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. But it like um, just incredible sleep. And it like. Not that I'm never – I'm always excited to get into bed, but it's just like, I don't know, you underestimate the – like a mattress that really gets you, <laughs> that feeling where you're just like a pillow, a mattress where you just lay down and you're not like wriggling yeah, yeah, around yeah, yeah. to get comfortable and you're not waking up with a sore back, I think was – I had a really old mattress also <laughs> that needed – so when Andrew left, I was like, I should get a new mattress. And I love that. I also think that uh, bed is such a big – like. I don't worry about making my clothes organic or stuff like that. Uh-huh. But since you're in bed for like 10 hours a day, yes. you can make that kind of a healthy experience. Agreed. That's half your time already. Yeah. yeah. You know, which I really like. Okay. Have you ever been somewhere in the world where you're like the people here really got it right in terms of living a healthier, happy life? And if oh. so, where? Or the most? Huh. No. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I've been a lot of places where I'm like, I love it here. It's cool. The culture is cool and the buildings are cool. But I don't I you know what? I got to be honest. I don't know if I pay attention to that when I travel. Like I feel like when I travel, it's I'm I'm I am more paying attention to like the fonts they use on signs and like this architecture and what the food tastes like. Do you ever go somewhere, though, where you're like, oh, if I like lived in this town in Italy, I would be happier. Mm. I felt that way about Paris the first time I went. And it was definitely one of those places where everyone's like, you're going to love it. And I'm like, I'm going to I won't love it because you told me I will. 
And I, did, I, there, I remember Andrew and I being like, should we move to Paris? But I, I think there's just something special about that. But I don't – I love where I live. And I think people do a really good job of trying to take care of themselves here. It's so I, I don't know that I've been blown away. But that said, I haven't been that many places. I'm sure there are many regions in the world where they're like really Nailed feel it. like – the Netherlands or sweet. I feel like one of those areas is like always killing it. Yeah. Like education and what they serve children to eat. (laughs) But I don't know. I kind of think there are a lot of people doing a good job here. I mean, there are a lot of people not, but I I think there are. Do you think LA is like shallow and I like the stereotypes about it? I really don't. There may be pockets of that, that I just don't like interact with but i i think la is like a really really deep place like i I just feel like there's so much community here um based on creativity and ideas and like this pursuit of personal growth that i just don't i don't encounter that i i mean i don't know if it's that because i'm older and i'm just like not in the i'm not like waiting in line at a bar yeah like maybe i would when i was 25 but um i i, I don't think i don't think it's fair but i also to, that la gets that rap but i but i also think most people that come here and experience it or have moved here from somewhere else are like oh it is like a lot cooler than i thought you know i mean i just I don't the amount of sunshine that comes here. I just feel like there's no way that that can't make people, <laughs> you know, see beyond some of that stuff and just feel really good. But no, I don't think so. But also, I've lived here for a really long time. Yeah. So maybe it's like if I experience other things, I'd be like, oh, maybe we are kind of shallow. But I, I just I think there's a lot of depth here. So um, I th- I think a lot of people here look good because they feel good. You know, I'm going to play this for my husband. Oh, it's like my goal to convince him to oh. LA. <laughs> I, I, I know so many people that have relocated from New York yeah. and just so are much like happier. Yeah. so much. Ha- but I do think that I, I'm a true believer that the weather does not everyone, too. but I, I am very highly impacted by weather. Me too. And yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think especially with anxiety and depression, all of those things, it's like I, I, I think the sun is underestimated. I could not agree more. Yeah. Um, okay, last one. Okay. What is one big mistake you've made and what's one thing you really feel like you got right? <laughs> one big mistake. God, I don't know if I can think about I I think I'm more of a series, a very constant series of like medium to small mistakes. Like I don't I can't think of like a a big mistake. I, I also think like this probably just feeds back to my perspective. Like I think I could be like, well, buying my house was a mistake because I didn't have enough money to pay for it. And I eventually lost it and lost a lot of money in the process or deciding to marry Andrew after knowing him for a week might have been a mistake because it ended up we didn't stay married. You know, I, I guess I just like I gained so much from all of those experiences that I don't view them. And the same with like things I've done. I mean, I think like like Bando is a great example. It could be viewed as a mistake or as like the best thing I've ever done. It kind of depends on the day or like how you look at it. I gave up a lot in order to do that. Maybe were those the right things to give up? I don't know. You know, um, I mean, the impact that we're able to have on a lot of people feels like something really good. Um, and what we try and like 
put out into the world feels good. So it's certainly one of my proudest accomplishments. But yeah, I, I'm so bad at that kind of question. I can't remember. Someone was asking me something once about, oh, feeling defeated. And and he kept saying, and then you felt really defeated, right? And you, And I was like, I got to tell you, like, I'm just not a person that feels defeated. It's very rare. And it's like he just like wanted me to go there. And so I feel like when I'm faced with questions like that, I'm like, I don't know what I do with those things. I'm sure if I went to write another book, I'd be like, oh, here are the seven big mistakes I made. And I can email those to you. But I I do. I just feel like what is a mistake anyways? Right. Which I think would be just from talking to you for these two hours is like, that's the thing you really got right. Like, I feel like the way you are able to frame your life is so powerful and inspiring. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) And you make me more excited about aging, honestly, than any person I've talked to. Good. I, I, listen, on that note, I mean, I won't talk forever, but I think living is complex and the aging there's complexity and you see a lot of things go you know like I, I I can't work as hard as I used to I can't stay up as late as I used to I don't know why I have these pimples I don't know why I lose words or but it's like there is this whole other side of aging that is like the wisdom that you gain if you're paying attention is like so cool like way cooler than all of that other stuff put together. Like it's just like so reassuring to finally have a perspective on things and know that it was like very hard earned and like to be able to feel good about that. Like the only way that you get there is to age, (laughs) you know, like they can't matrix matrix into the back of your neck and like give you all of that, you know? Right. So I, I, I just, I think it's something to look forward to, you know? Um, and also just like what I was saying before, like, I mean, you're either dead or aging. So <laughs> we have no choice. I know. Yes. I was like, how old can I get? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for of taking course. the time to chat. Yeah. All right. I hope you loved that episode with Jen Gotch and I hope it provided a little respite in your day, a little brought a little smile to your face. Hopefully Um, definitely share your thoughts on the episode screenshot and share with me. I'm at Liz Moody. Jen is at Jen Gotch. We would both love to continue the conversation over on Instagram. And if you did love the episode, I would so appreciate if you would leave a rating or a review on iTunes. I know everybody says it, but that's because it really does make a difference for your favorite podcast. It's free, it's fast, and it's the best way to support the creators that you love, which is especially important in a time like this. Also, if you know somebody who you think might love this episode, I would deeply appreciate if you would share it with them. Um, I would love to bring Jen's wisdom to more people in the world, and I hope it would bring a smile to their face too. So I love you all, and I cannot wait to see you on the next episode of the Healthier Together podcast. If you have dry skin, this is going to be your holy grail. I've loved, loved, loved the Osea Andaria Algae Body Butter for years. It is so rich and creamy and lush, but it sinks right into your skin, and it makes your entire body feel moisturized and not greasy at all. I actually do not understand how it's so not greasy and yet so, so hydrating. 
As fall approaches, I'm leaning into mini spa energy, these micro relaxing moments you can insert throughout your day. Because peppering your day with tiny bits of calm can have huge impacts on overall cortisol levels, on your anxiety, even how you sleep at night, and the smell of the body butter. Holy cow, it is pure spa energy. You get that like laying on the massage table, melting energy. It is phenomenal. I've gone through at least four tubs of this personally, and that is saying something because it lasts a long ass time. A little bit goes a very long way. I also always keep extras on hand to give out as gifts. It uses ingredients that you would normally see in face care products like seaweed, ceramides, glycerin, which I am obsessed with for hydration and think is so underrated, amino acids, even a skin-identical moisture complex. Also, here is a little tip. If you want to amp up its hydrating power even more, put it on damp skin right after the shower to really lock in all of that moisture and hydration. Like all Osea products, it's formulated with real seaweed to take advantage of its nutrient-rich benefits like deep moisturization. It's also vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Osea has actually been making seaweed-infused products that are safe for your skin and the planet for over 27 years. And I personally absolutely love how everything is ethically tested and sourced. For clean body care that gives you skincare-level results, you've got to try Osea. And right now we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with promo code LizMoody at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and orders over $60 get free shipping. While you're there, get the body butter, of course, but I'm also obsessed with the Vegas Nerve Oil and Pillow Mist, both of which help so much with my anxiety. I love rubbing the oil on my hands and inhaling deeply before I meditate to make it feel more intentional and calming and grounding. You are going to want it all. Go to OSEAMalibu.com, promo code Liz Moody. 